We're in a message series here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church called People of Hope. We're taking selected passages from the Revelation that point us to God's hopeful future in all eternity, and we're looking at how we can live into that in the here and in the now. This is a vision God gave to John, and God said, write this down several times. Write this down. These words are trustworthy. John, they're trustworthy, and they are also true. I believe that John's vision here in the Revelation was an encouragement to scores of Christians at that time who suffered under Roman persecution. You know, in the beginning, the book is authored to seven churches of Asia, but it was more than those seven. And I believe these words are equally as encouraging to us today, for it is a reminder to us that God is still at work on his ultimate plan, which is a new creation where evil and rebellion have no place, where the old is gone and a new is come. As I was preparing for this week and reflecting on the ages of our graduates and some other things I was looking at online, I, I remembered that the movie Bruce Almighty was filmed or came out in 2003, uh, the year some of our graduates were born or the year before others of our graduates were born, not quite 20 years ago. And in that film, if you've seen it, you remember that Jim Carrey, the actor, plays a Buffalo, New York television reporter, Bruce Nolan, who dreams of anchoring the evening news. Just when it seems as if Bruce is getting his big break, an ambitious rival beats him out. He is incensed. He has an on-air meltdown and gets himself fired. The low point of a particularly bad day for Bruce. Like many people who don't understand God, he rails against the Almighty, blaming God for his troubles, for losing his job and all his troubles, and he shouts, the only one around here not doing his job, and he points up, is you. Answer me, he says. And in the movie, God, played by Morgan Freeman, in fact does answer him. The Lord convinces the whiny Bruce into a personal meeting and invites him to spend one week in God's heavenly shoes, sharing his powers and his responsibilities. There were just two rules. One, Bruce is not about allowed to tell anyone else about the deal. And second, he is not able to change or affect people's free will. At first, if you remember the movie, Bruce employs the powers selfishly. He parts traffic like the Red Sea was parted. He humiliates his enemies, even gets his job back and elevates his career to a new level. But he soon finds out that with divinity, there is responsibility. And playing God has unintended consequences. Among them, the fallout of his relationship with his girlfriend, Grace, played by Jennifer Aniston. In the end, Bruce gains a better understanding of God, and he realizes the need 
for a good God to make right many wrongs. In other words, my take is he realizes there is a divine plan or God's will that on earth would be like heaven, like we pray on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Revelation is about. Seeing the hope that lies ahead in the vision John has gi- God has given John, but seeking to bring that about as people of God in the here and in the now, on earth as it is in heaven. Graduates, you are called to live on earth as it is in heaven, wherever you go, whether in the workplace or in the academic world or in the military you are you and I we are called to bring on earth as it is in heaven today's scripture where god says i am making all things new and the theme of this of this film invites the, us into some questions how about we uh, uh reflect on this what does it mean i believe that these questions are very appropriate for our graduates for you are beginning a new chapter in your lives you got the whole future in front of you. And the questions are two. First, if you could be God for a day, what would you change? And I understand all of the stuff that you all experience, the pressures that you face that I didn't have on me when I was your age. There wasn't social media. There weren't even flip phones back then. We had a bag phone. You remember that? It was like a suitcase you had to pull behind you, right? Things, But you all are facing all kinds of, of changes and pressures that we didn't face. And if you could, if you see the world and you could be God for a day, what would you change? I hope that you as graduates will be thinking about this as you go forward. What are you passionate about? Where are you burdened? What keeps you up at night? What troubles you when you see your, the, the landscape of, of your peers and some of the decisions they're making? What needs to start in this world and what needs to stop? Like we said last Sunday, graduates, what breaks your heart? For without a broken heart, there is no vision. And church, this applies to all of us. What breaks our heart? Because without a broken heart, there is no vision. And the second question What would a perfect world look like if you were in charge? Would I just be parting traffic or trying to make things better for myself? Probably so. And that's why we had this continual message of how God designed it to be, God's original intent and how God wants us to live in the here and in the now, that others would see a glimpse of heaven through you and me. I pray that your answers to that second question, what would a perfect world look like if you were in charge? I pray that the answer to that question will reflect, students, your values and what really matters to you. Go after it. Seize the day. As you go after it, as you go from this place, from this church who loves you so much, 
I hope that you have a framework. Here's a reminder of a framework that I think will be very helpful. This framework is called Answers of the Heart. They're core teachings of the Christian faith that help us when it comes to dealing with the pain and the sufferings of this life. Dr. Tim Keller, a pastor and writer, shares this framework in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Keller bases his model, Answers of the Heart, This is your gut. This is how the spirit is at work in your soul. These are the things that we shouldn't even have to think about, but guide our steps. He bases his answers of the heart on the model of 17th century French mathematician and physicist Blaise Pascal. If you know about him, he was raised in the heyday of the Enlightenment thought and found reason inadequate. Quote, reason's last step is the recognition that there are an infinite number of things which are beyond it, beyond reason. And he concluded that the heart has its reasons which reason does not know at all. Answers of the heart as we translate it to our time today. Pascal denounced the idea that reason and science alone can lead a person to God and argued that only by experiencing Christ can people know God. Belief comes through the heart, he said, and God's grace makes it happen. God inclines our hearts to believe. As the writer of Ecclesiastes reminds us that God placed eternity into the heart of every human being. We are created in the image of a loving God. And I want to suggest that these answers to the heart are critically important as we live as Christians today in a world where death and Hades seem to win. These are deeply held convictions that are centered in the human heart and anchor our devotion to God, the love of God, and love of neighbor. There are are three basic answers of the heart. One, creation and fall. That in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we find the stories. There are two creation accounts of God creating us in his image. God placing humanity into a perfect place, paradise called Eden, where they had everything that they would ever need. That basic underpinning that we know that we are created by God. And the fall that in chapter 3, we find that human beings rebelled against God and exercise their own free will to step outside of the boundaries that God had created. So these are basic to us, that we are created and that we are all sinful, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, as Paul writes. And the second answer to the heart that Dr. Keller posits is that there will be a renewal of the world, that from the very time that there was the fall, that God was seeking to redeem and renew all things. That's why he came to earth in the form of Jesus and surrendered himself to the cross, dying a death cruelly on the Roman cross and allowing himself to be placed in a tomb and on the third day rising from the grave. There will be a renewal, a resurrection of all things. C.S. Lewis wrote that heaven once attained will work backwards and turn even agony into glory. A great reversal. 
J.R.R. Tolkien wrote, everything sad is going to become untrue. There will be a renewal of the world. The second answer of the heart. Deep in our being, I pray that you will always remember that God does not desire the world to be like it is. And Revelation helps paint the picture of how God intends it to be. And the third answer for the heart is that we serve a wounded God. The wounds of God. That God came in human flesh and suffers with us. That we have a God who is strong enough to voluntarily become weak and plunge himself into the vulnerability and darkness out of love for us. No other religion can make that claim. Answers of the heart. I pray that these will be a framework as you seek to go from this place. Seeking to understand what John is writing in Revelation. This glimpse of heaven. Olivia and Justin, Jack, Joseph, Sophie, Isabella, Melanie, Tommy, I pray that you will leave from here with these answers of the heart, a strong faith that will guide you in the time that is ahead in this new chapter as God continues to work things new in your lives. These are words of encouragement and hope for us as a church and also for our graduates. Two takeaways from this passage in Revelation. Very simple, but very powerful. Two takeaways. The first one, we are God's people. Simply put, we are God's people. We are God's children. Verses 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, the, uh, God's dwelling place is now among the people. God with us. And then it says he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He loves you. We're children of God. How great is the love of the Father that we should be called children of God. Revelation is reminding us that God loves each of us, that we are his people. And there won't be anything to hinder that. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. A little earlier in the text, you heard me read that there would be no more sea. The waters. Sometimes people say, well, why is that? What does that mean? In ancient days, the sea was seen as fearful. It was seen as chaotic. Sailors didn't like to go out. They would stay close to the shore as best as they could to avoid the stormy waters. And God is saying, there's no more chaos. I'm with you. That's how it will be. Paul on the island of Patmos could see the vast water between the island and the mainland. This chaos separating him from God, if you will. But we are God's people. And this text is a reminder of that truth. And secondly, God is still at work in our lives. God is still creating new things. Verse 5, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Everything. 
meaning the God who created at the beginning is still creating even now and will always be creating, always be doing new things. I am making all things new, the restoration, the resurrection we spoke of earlier. So it begs the question, this resurrection, what does that look like as I live my daily life? Jesus rose from the grave, appeared to many, and ascended to be with the Father, poured out his Holy Spirit, birthed the church. And in our staff meeting last Tuesday, as we talked about this text and reflected on it, we asked the question, where is the risen Jesus now? Where is that bodily resurrected Jesus now? And I would go as far as to say that all we have to do is look at the people around us. Because Jesus said, what you have done unto the least of these my children, you have done unto me. As God works in our lives, we find resurrected Jesus in those who need it most. The least of these, his children. As you and I go out of these doors, we never know where we may encounter the risen Jesus. We are his people, and he is still working in our lives. May this vision make that ever so clear as we go from this place today. You are his beloved children, and he loves you. And he longs for a relationship with you. I pray today that if you've never trusted Christ, that this would be the day that you come and and say yes to the Lord Jesus and invite him to create a new heart in you. That's his promise. And we have his word because he said these things are trustworthy and they're true. Let's pray.